Well, hey friends, thanks for joining us again today. And we are going to wrap up our series on how not to be your own worst enemy. And uh, in it, we've been talking about what we call harmful behaviors uh, that we all tend to develop in life. And so far, uh, what we've done is we spent two weeks talking about pride. Last week, we talked about how we use our words and how words can either bring life or words can bring death. And uh, three weeks ago, as I said, when we talked about pride, I said the majority of the wisdom of the Bible, as far as relationships goes, points to how becoming the right person is more important than finding the right person. I know it's been three weeks, you remember that? And that is true. However, there are some verses that speak to the wisdom of finding the right kind of person in your life. Now, specifically, Scripture speaks to the most important, right, thing about finding the right kind of friends in your life and why that's important. So the undermining behavior that I want to get to today around all of this is surrounding yourself with foolish friends, right? So I'm not putting wise people in my circle. I'm surrounding myself with foolish people. And I want to talk about this idea of the wisdom of surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. And I want to start again with the book of Proverbs because the writer of Proverbs, which is Solomon, has a lot to say about wisdom and friendship and all of this. And here's the verse we're going to look at today. So Solomon says, The one who walks with the wise becomes wise, but whoever keeps company with fools only hurts himself. Now, believe it or not, there is a so much, there's so much going on in this one little verse. We're going to spend the whole message unpacking this verse. So let's back up before this verse and talk a little bit about the author. The author of Proverbs is Solomon, the wisest man that had lived um, to his time. And he is assuming that as you go through life, there's going to be people that you do life with. People outside of your marriage, outside, right, outside of the people you work with. These are people you would call your friends. And some of those friends you probably had since childhood. Maybe there's just a couple of them or maybe you don't have any childhood friends left. And the rest of these friends are seasonal. Right? So the people that you have a friendship with, uh, you can have friends with while your kids are in elementary school. Maybe you have a group of friends. Or maybe you have a, another group of friends once your kids reach middle school or high school and do sports and those kinds of things. Or maybe you have some friends in your 20s, and then you moved, and then you got a new group of friends in your 30s or your 40s. Right? None of this is a bad thing, and it's quite normal. My point is, there are different seasons in your life that sometimes require different friends. And Solomon is assuming that there will be different times in your life where people will be moving in and moving out of the inner core or the inner circle of your life. And as I was writing this message, I was thinking back to high school days because I actually have a friend here today uh, from my high school days back in Georgia. But back when I was in 11th grade, I know, a long time ago, um, I had a friend, his name's Brian. And uh, we'd been friends since my family moved into the neighborhood in sixth grade. We met each other, became friends, and we did everything together, right? We got into a lot of trouble together. And, you know, you can ask me about the time that uh, I was brought home by the police, which is a story for another day, but Brian was a part of that. Anyway, Brian was definitely in the inner circle of my life. And one day, another kid from high school, a kid named Jimmy, had just gotten a new car. It was a muscle car. I think it was a 69 Super Sport, if I remember the car. Well, Jimmy decided that he was going to test out the speed of his car in front of my house this particular day. And uh, it was while my 11-year-old sisters were riding their bicycles also through the neighborhood. 
Well, after the third lap around the house, my friend Brian looks at me and he says, hey, are you going to just let him keep doing that or are you going to do something to stop him? And in that moment, something rose up inside of me and I headed out towards the street. Now, an important fact to keep in mind, at the time, I was five foot six and about 130 pounds soaking wet and Jimmy was six foot one, probably around 200 pounds. And that didn't matter to me because Brian was also around six foot, 230, worked out like a thing, and he was a black belt in karate. And so he was heading out to the street with me. So I had a lot of confidence. So when Jimmy came back around, I was on the side of the road waiting. And as he approached, I may or may not have made some gestures with my hand and yelled a few words to him. And I'm sure what I yelled towards him was something like, hey, Jimmy, um, would you be so kind as to pull over so that we could talk or It may have been a little bit worse than that, right? So anyway, I certainly got Jimmy's attention because he stopped right in front of my house and immediately got out of his car, made a beeline straight for me, right? And the whole time I'm thinking, hey, I watched Karate Kid. I think I can take him. And besides, if I can just distract him, Brian is going to knock him out cold, right? So Jimmy walks up. He takes an immediate swing at me, and he hits me square in the right temple. And that hit knocked me to the ground where he planted all 200 pounds of himself on top of me and began pummeling my head just over and over with blows. And my arms are just up, and I'm just trying to block all of the blows. All this is going on, I can see Brian out of the corner of my good eye, and he's just standing there watching this whole thing happen. He's four feet away from Jimmy with a skateboard in his hands, of all things, and he's just standing there doing nothing. Meanwhile, Jimmy is going all Apollo Creed on my head, man, boom, boom, boom. And and did I mention Brian is doing nothing, right? Well, I guess some sort of mercy must have kicked in for Jimmy, Or maybe he just got bored of like pounding on the band kid. But he stands up, gets back in his car, proceeds to make two more very loud, very fast passes in front of my yard before leaving. And there I was, bloodied, beaten, lying in the yard. Look at my friend who is still standing there, still holding the skateboard in one hand and an ice cream, which he had gotten out of my freezer in the other hand. And he looks at me and he begins to say something Like, um, you know, as he looked, and I'm expecting him to say, hey, man, I am so sorry, um, or let's go take this guy, right? He looks at me and he says, wow, how bad does that hurt? (laughs) Seriously, that is all you're going to say? Like, you didn't help me at all. Uh, I I thought you were a friend. Come on, you're huge. You work out. You are the karate kid. And this is probably the first time that I learned the truth of this verse. Whoever keeps the company with fools only hurts himself. And the funny thing is, um, after high school, after we both went different directions, I went to college. He went on uh, to be a mechanic, an airplane mechanic. About 15 years later, um, I discovered we were living in the same neighborhood, not, not the one we grew up in, another one, other side of town, and we became friends again. And so I asked him one day, hey, what happened on that day? And all he could say is, well, I just didn't want to drop my ice cream. <laughs> okay. So... When Proverbs says there's an inner core of people that you're going to walk through life with, he's, Proverbs says you need to make sure that you choose that group wisely, right? And what Proverbs is also talking about that verse is how influential this inner core of people is going to be in your life. So again, he says, the one who walks with wise becomes wise, but whoever keeps company with fools gets their head pounded in while they watch and hold their ice cream, right? Now, 
the way I would say this to students, as I served as their student pastor, I said this to my children as they were in my house, is this. And you may have heard me say it before because it is so important and so true. I say it all the time. Your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. Your friends will determine the direction and the quality of your life. Now, sometimes I shorten it. This is how I shortened it for my kids, and I'll say it like this. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Now, most of you already know the truth of that statement. For you, that, there's nothing new to you. Right? It, it's funny how we try to forget that principle, though, or, or we think it no longer applies to us once we turn 18, but the reality is we know it's true. No matter what age you are, this is nothing new. You remember as a kid? How your parents freaked out about who you hung out with? You remember that? Listen, some of your parents were so concerned about it, they moved you to a different school or they moved out of the house that they were in to a completely different subdivision. Some of your parents moved states all because they were worried about who you were hanging out with, right? Show me your friends, show me your future. They knew this. We all understand this principle. As parents, this principle is why you're so picky and you pay so much attention to your kids' friends, right? It's this principle that scares us to death as parents. But the reality is, it should just scare us to death also as adults. Because this principle doesn't stop when you're 13. This principle applies when you're 33, 43, 53, 63, all the way up. And I think back in the course of my lifetime, when I think about my life and I think about the trouble that I've gotten in, I rarely got into trouble by myself. When I got into trouble, it was almost always with a particular group of friends. Now, it, wherever you are, raise your hand if you stumbled home drunk last night, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. I didn't think anybody was going to raise their hand on that one. But listen, if you did, I would be willing to bet that you did not stumble home alone. When we get into trouble, we make unwise decisions. We rarely do it by ourselves. We're almost always surrounded by friends. So here's the tough question that I want you to wrestle with. Do you want to become like those you are with? Do you actually want to become like the people that you're hanging out with? I, I want you to think about your closest friends. If, if your closest friends are married and you're married, do you want your marriage to become like their marriage? Or if you're single and the closest friends you have are single, do you want your dating life to look like their dating life? Do you want to raise your kids the way they raise their kids? Do you want to handle your money the way they handle their money? Do you want to become like the people that you are hanging out with? This is what the writer of the book of Proverbs is talking about. And he goes into great detail about the kind of people that we should have in your life but Solomon also goes into a great deal about the kind of people we need to be careful about. But before we get there, let me just say, as we talk about the kind of people that you need to be careful of, these are people, and you need to love these people. You need to care for these people. You need to serve these people. You need to point these people to a life in Jesus. Be kind to them, but also be very, very, very careful about allowing them into the inner circle of your life. So let's just walk through a couple that Solomon gives us some warnings about. Be careful of people who constantly look down on others. 
People who constantly look down on others. If you've got someone like this on the inner core of your life, you're going to be asking for trouble. So Solomon says this, Pride precedes destruction, an arrogant spirit gives way to a nasty fall. Proverbs 16, 18. That's one of those verses that we looked at three weeks ago when we started talking about pride. Solomon is saying here, hey, be very careful about walking closely with an arrogant, puffed-up person. Because over time, here's what's going to happen. A prideful, arrogant person is almost always going to turn into a judgmental person. And that judgmentalism is eventually going to turn on you. You need to know that. And then, worst case scenario, that pride and that arrogance and that judgmentalism is going to seep into your life. And I don't know about you, but I got enough pride and arrogance that's already bubbling up inside of me. I don't need someone else's pride and arrogance seeping into me. What I need are people that are pursuing humility. That way, when I act prideful or I act arrogant, it stands in stark contrast to my friends, and it greatly increases the chances that I see in my life, right? And I'm going to see it, and I'm going to say, oh, I don't want to be that kind of person. So Scripture says be very careful about people who look down on others. The second, be careful of people who don't value the truth. Proverbs 12, 22 says, Lying lips discuss the eternal but those who act faithfully delight in him. Be really careful, Solomon says, about putting people in your life who don't value truth. I'm telling you, when you invite someone into your inner circle who doesn't honor truth, someone who doesn't honor faithfulness, you are setting yourself up for a heartbreak every single time. Years ago, when I used to do uh, a lot more pre-marriage counseling than I do today, every once in a while, I would have a couple. And you could just tell. As soon as they sat down, things are not going well. Like their dating life was kind of rough, but somehow they got engaged anyway, and here they are sitting in my office. And as I'm sitting there, I could feel the walls that were built up. And when I would address those things, I would hear something, well, you know, in the past year, he cheated on me. I said, oh, he cheated on you. Yeah, he, he cheated on me a couple of times. Like the first time I caught him, he denied it, but I caught him, right? And so that was bad. And then about three weeks ago, I caught him cheating again, and he was cheating on me with this other girl, and this other thing's going on. I'm just like, wait a second. You're okay with this? Well, I'm not happy that it happened, but, you know, now we're engaged, so, um, you know, it's, it's just going to stop. You know, like he put a ring on it, so everything's going to be good. And my thought is like, well, Beyonce, that's great, but that doesn't mean that there's going to be any patterns that show that things are going to change. And so, if you're single, I don't give a whole lot of relationship advice to singles, mainly because I was married before I finished college, so I don't know a whole lot about what it's like to date as an adult. But let me give you one little principle, and this is free, and you can write this down or you can you know, take it. Marry someone for who they are today, not for who you hope they might become tomorrow. All right? Marry somebody for who they are today, not who you hope they're going to change into one day. Because listen, that's unfair to you, and that's unfair to them, and there's, if, if there's some patterns of lying or patterns that the other person doesn't know what faithfulness is, you need to deal with those patterns now before you move on to marriage. And I'm not saying the relationship can't work out, 
But that stuff has to be dealt with, and it's going to take time to deal with those things. And it will take time to know if it's actually been resolved. You don't figure that out in a couple of weeks or in a couple of months, right? Take the time to work on it, then take the time to make sure that it's been resolved. Don't just say, oh, when we're married, all that stuff's going to stop, right? I'm telling you, all that stuff in dating, all that stuff that drives you, right? You think this is awesome, this is great. It's going to drive you nuts when you get married, right? It is going to be multiplied when you get married. It's no longer going to be cute. You need to deal with that stuff when you still have a chance. But the stuff just doesn't apply to dating. This applies to your friends. If you have friends that struggle with telling the truth, be careful about inviting them into your inner circle. Right? I've counseled a lot of people with pain that came through the dishonesty of a friend. And the same applies to businesses too. Just word of wisdom here. If you're thinking about getting into business with somebody who what they do is kind of on the borderline, everything's always kind of in the gray, it's not really illegal, but it's a little bit shady, just say, hey, do you really want to be a partner with someone like that? Do you really want to have that kind of person on the inner core of your life? Scripture just says, no, you don't, right? That is not the kind of person that you want to do life with. So be careful of people who don't value the truth. Also be careful of people who have no control over their mouth, right? No control over their mouth. We talked about this last week, the, the power of words, that it's the power of life and the power of death. When you think about the kind of people that you're walking in life with, you need to be really careful if they can't control their mouth. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, a gossip can't keep anything confidential, but a reliable person keeps a secret. This is really important to me. And this is the big difference for me between an inner core kind of person in my life and the people that are on the next circle out. The people that are in the inner circle of my life have to be people that I absolutely trust that they know how to control their mouth. And I, and I know that because for me, a big part of friendship and relationship is I have to feel like we can be honest about everything with each other, like 100%. We need to be able to share the dark things. We need to be able to share things that we're struggling with. So if I think for a second that I'm around somebody who doesn't know how to keep things quiet, I just shut down emotionally. And, and there's a lot at stake when it comes to this. You gotta have some people in your life that when things are breaking in your life, right, and they will, you can go to them, you can bear your heart, you can bear your soul, and you can trust them that they know how to keep a secret. They're not gonna repeat stuff inappropriately. This is very, very important. So be careful of people who can't control their mouth. Be careful of people who encourage conflict. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight says it this way, a perverse person spreads strife, right? You know anybody like that? You got any friends that just spread strife, they go through life, and they're like a conflict machine. Seems like everything they do, there's some kind of conflict that surrounds it. They just kind of stir stuff up. It's, it's almost like they enjoy it. And so they're constantly saying things like, you're not going to believe what so-and-so said or what they did to me, right? They're always blowing everything up, blowing it out of proportion. Do you know why the Bible calls that person a perverse person, Right? A perverse person, that's a pretty strong word, isn't it? Because the idea here is anybody who has received the undeserved grace from God should now have a reconciling spirit inside of them. 
And if you've received the undeserved grace of God, when there's a conflict in your life, when there's a conflict in your relationship, there will always be the Spirit of God inside of you saying, hey, let's not blow this up. In fact, if we can overcome it or overlook it, let's just overlook it. Let's not be offended by this. Or, or if you can't overlook it, there's a spirit of God inside of you that says, let's deal with this in the best way we possibly can so that we can all move on. That's what a reconciling spirit does. And if you're a Christian and you follow Jesus, there should be something inside of you that when conflict springs up, you don't get all excited about it, you don't blow it way out of proportion because there's a reconciling spirit inside of you that says, we gotta deal with this and deal with this quickly in the best way that we can. Now, let's go back to this verse again because there's something I wanna point out that is really important. We talked about all the things we need to be careful of, but it says, the one who walks with the wise becomes wise, but whoever keeps company with fools only hurts himself. As we begin to look at this, what we assume when we look at this verse is, well, if I hang out with wise, I'll become wise. So the, the reverse of that happens. If I hang out with fools, I'll become a fool. We begin to think that, right? But that's not what the warning in this verse is. You could spend your whole life around fools, and it does not necessarily mean that you're going to see the world the way the fool sees the world. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to believe all the things that they believe. This is really important. The warning is, if you hang out with a fool long enough on the inner circle of your life, when that fool's life explodes, and it will, you're going to be impacted by the shrapnel that comes out of their life, right? The verse never says, you hang out with a fool, you're going to become a fool. What it says is, that fool's life is going to impact you. And this is really, really important because I think there's a lot of us, and, and I did this for a season in my life, where I defended some of the unhealthy relationships that I had because I said, you know what? They can be in my inner circle because I'm never going to do what they do. I, I promise you, I'll never think the way they're going to think. I'll never participate in the things they're going to participate in, right? And, and that was true. And that's what some of you are thinking right now. Look, I'm not going to think the way they think. I'm not going to do the things that they do. And so, therefore, I must be safe. What Solomon would say is you're dead wrong. You're not safe. Because eventually what's going to happen if you're in the companionship of fools is even though you may not adopt their lifestyle, even though you don't adopt their way of thinking, even though you don't do the things that they do in life, eventually... Their behavior is going to impact you in a very serious way. And all of that is kind of a warning that he gives you in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. But I don't want to end there. I want to look really quickly at the promise part of that verse, and it's really just found in the first part. The one who walks with the wise becomes wise. This is saying that there is a promise that if you surround yourself with wise people, you're going to gain wisdom. In other words, the promise that, that Solomon gives us here is wisdom is contagious. Wisdom is contagious, right? You get around wise people, and you're going to gain wisdom. It, it's like it rubs off on you, right? It, you just become a more wise person. And when we talk about wisdom, my definition of wisdom is 
Essentially understanding all of life is connected. So wisdom is just understanding it's all connected, right? It's about connecting the dots. Wisdom is understanding that what you do today, what you decide today, what you think today is going to influence who you become tomorrow, all right? All of life is connected. There are no isolated events. There's no isolated thought patterns. There's no isolated relationships. Wisdom is connecting the dots in life. If I do this, then that is going to happen. So the encouragement of Scripture is to become the kind of friend that wise people want to hang out with. The kind of friend that when your friends see you, they think, oh my gosh, it is so good to see you because seeing you is like seeing the face of God. So the goal is to develop an inner core of people that when I see them, when I'm around them, when I'm in contact with them, it's like seeing the face of God. Not because they're perfect, because they're not going to be perfect, but because we're moving in the same direction and we value these things of God and we value them together. And at the end of the day, when I think about my inner circle, my inner core of people, I just want to be the kind of, I want them to be the kind of people who are going to change me in profound ways. I want to be surrounded by the kind of people who are just being who they are and then doing so teaches me more about who God really is. So let's just wrap it up from there and let's end this series right here. Heavenly Father, I am deeply thankful for the gift of the close friendships that you've given me. And I know for all of us, our friends are truly an unbelievable gift. And maybe today, we just needed to be reminded what an unbelievable gift it is to have a supportive and caring circle of friends around us. Our friends may not always be perfect, but their wisdom and understanding life's interconnectedness is a true blessing. At the same time, I also know there are probably some people who are watching or who are listening to this who are currently experiencing challenges in their closest friendships, be it with a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a roommate or a group of friends. They might even be struggling with the realization that these friendships, these relationships don't align with their aspirations and their values. This decision of what to do for them, it's not easy. So we seek your guidance, Lord gaining wisdom. We seek your wisdom in understanding the impact our closest friends have on our personal growth and the potential risks that are involved. God, our desire is to avoid being negatively influences and have the, the, you know, be fulfilled in the potential you have set for us. We ask your wisdom, Lord, which at times it can be lacking. We aim to be compassionate, loving, and guiding towards others, reflecting your love, and at the same time, we strive to be wise, prudent, and mindful of your teachings. Jesus, come impact the circle that is around me and increase my life's quality and direction. May we take the time this week to reflect on these truths and the hope of growing into a better and more cohesive community. Pray for this in your name, Jesus. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone you know, would you mind sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content, as well as liking and subscribing to this channel, you're helping us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. So uh, 
along those lines, uh, I, I do want to ask you also, as we do each and every week, um, we'd love for you to be able to give here at Next Level. If you, you can do that by going over to nextlevelchurch.org, select the give option, pick one of those options that's there and your way to be able to give. Just know that your faithful support helps us raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Now, way, by way of benediction, let me read this verse to you again. Proverbs 13, 20, the one who walks with the wise becomes wise, but whoever keeps a company with fools only hurts himself. As we go forth, may we walk alongside the wise, absorbing the wisdom and growing in understanding, and may we choose our companions wisely, knowing that they shape our path. Hey guys, have a blessed week. Hope to see you back in, in, in person next week. We're going to begin a brand new series where we're going to be dealing with the topic of loneliness, and I'd love to be able to see you there.